When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Scottish Football Podcast, the podcast that loves the sound of its own voice. I am Craig Cairns, and joining me today, he's roaring back, it's Andy Harrow. Ah, hiya, how you doing? And it's our Masonic Lodge member, <laughs> Craig Anderson. I don't even know a Masonic thing to say, <laughs> although that's what one of them would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on today's show, we're going to just do our usual Premiership Roundup that we do on a Monday, and we'll start, I'm not even giving you guys an order, but this is all being done on the fly anyway, um, we're gonna, we'll start with the live game yesterday, that seems like the sensible place to start, we've all seen it, it had the most goals, it was Motherwell 3, Rangers 3, and uh, you couldn't make it up, according to Stephen Cragen, except everybody probably had that scenario, uh, or uh, thought maybe that was there was a real possibility that there was a, such a scenario could uh, come about. Yeah, I mean, I think you couldn't make it up, it's more like... Peter Hartley scores a hat-trick or <laughs> Peter Hartley scores an overhead kick from 45 yards. Yeah. Peter Hartley bundling one in for about two yards out is, is not a... And he should have done it about yeah. five or six yeah, minutes earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Mother, one of Motherwell's centre-half scoring from a set-piece is not a huge surprise. No, no. Um, but it, there was something kind of poetic about it, I guess, the fact that it did happen. Um, and I think Motherwell and the whole deserved it. I think that the... the uh, Certainly for the second half, they definitely put Rangers under a lot of pressure and Rangers really struggled to get out towards the end of the game after having a bit more control in the first half. And, you know, it was coming, you said the number of chances that they had, but just getting balls into the box, that's always been one of Motherwell's big strengths is the number of kind of tall guys using their aerial ability and it kind of paid off in the end. I think you look at the two managers and their use of subs and Robinson did it really well and Gerard really failed in terms of how he, he tried to change the game. What about um, going back a bit then? What about his setup from the start? Um, I mean, one thing you want to point out would be Goldson's performance. That's the first time he's shown a lot of weakness. Uh, he looked like he never really recovered from that early mistake. And it wasn't... It's one of those things that can kind of happen to anybody. But he still mentally never seemed to recover from it. He just seemed to get more and more... Dig himself a deeper hole as the game went on. But um, the point I was making, sorry, was the setup in the first place... Gerrard's moved away from his back four that's um, brought him a lot of clean sheets, a good defensive record, and moving to the back three didn't seem to do them any favours. Yeah, I was I was puzzled by the move in the sense that they'd been doing well with the four. I think it is probably a logical choice in general for the players that they've got because what you saw from the game, um, Barisic and Tavernier, the quality of the delivery, I don't think there's two better crossers of the ball in the league, Barisic. Barisic looks already like a, an exceptional pickup at that price, mm. um, and so he's with those two guys. It makes sense to stretch the game, and you've got two, you know, two centre forwards in the in the box who can attack the ball in the air, which Lafferty did obviously for 
that goal, but just coming out of a run of really good performances. I, I didn't see the game against Ufa on Thursday night, but from what I heard, it was it was considered their best performance and since he'd taken over by a lot of people. It did seem odd that he, he wanted to change it up. Yeah, you would maybe look to change the formation possibly when you're at home against a Hamilton or a St Mirren or something where there's less pressure on the defenders and they're going to be under the cosh a lot less than they would be away to Motherwell. Maybe he just wanted to throw them in and see how they did or maybe thought over the course of training that it looked like they were comfortable with it. As you say, the the slip from Golson at the start seemed to put him off. Uh, but it would take a while if you're not used to playing as that. And he's still a young defender. If you're not used to really playing in a back three, especially when since the start of the season you've been playing in a four, to suddenly then have to deal with kind of extra men and who's picking up who and when you're going forward and when you're not, it can be a bit difficult. I mean, and Motherwell are probably not the best team to do it against because they give you no time at all. You know, they get it forward, they don't allow you to settle. Uh, and you know, Gerard's also a young manager, and that's something that he's maybe learned off the back of it. Yeah, it seems that he, um, for the reasons you're given there, that's maybe why he's gone for it. Uh, their mother will always play with the front two, so he's maybe want to have the the extra mm. extra centre half there. But I mean, there's ways of um, that without moving to a back I mean, three. We played against the front two last week with Kelly, Brophy, mm. and Boyd played in that game, and, and you can and play Flanagan on one of the one of the sides and uh, uh, or ask one of your more attacking fullbacks not to go forward as much or something along those lines yeah, yeah, yeah. you do wonder if it's a, a bit more about just accommodating Lafferty you know they get a guy and they've been courting for a long time he gets a chance to play him and he kind of wants to see how he does alongside Morales and you know uh, that seemed to work from that point of view but it, did it work in the for the, the team as a whole? Probably not. Um, Motherwell really did very well in the in the centre of the park. Uh, I thought um, Rangers have again done pretty well in, in, in midfield this season. Jack's come on pretty well under Gerard. Uh, Jari has looked like a good sign in. Um, but I thought Bigger Amana and Alan Campbell both had great games. Um, Campbell was throwing his weight around a lot and maybe could have got booked earlier than he actually did. But um, it was a good performance from the two of them and Bigger Amana's deliveries obviously were, were yeah, very key but, in the end. But the open, play, the open play as well for Bigger Amana, I thought he, w- he was really influential in the game in a way that I haven't really seen him be before that he's from other ways come in and he had a bit of a reputation. He'd obviously at a young age been signed by Newcastle for a decent amount of money and so there was some suggestion that there must be a player in there but we hadn't really seen it yet much he's done it off the bench a couple of times last season he came off the bench um, I think a game against Kilmarnock he came on at 0-0 and got an assist in a 2-0 victory he came off the bench at Easter Road when they were 2-0 down and sure he set up Bolt for one of his goals to get a point from that game so he has done it a couple of times but when he started yeah he's not really been the player that they bought but yeah he he looks like I'm thinking he had an interview through the week or last week where he said, you know, he maybe underestimated it when he came up here, and and which is quite odd considering he he did he was up here before, spent plenty of time to watch Scottish football while he was sitting in the stands or on the bench for Rangers. But he, um, yeah, it, it was good of a player to admit that, and it looks like he's maybe screwed the nut a bit this season and actually taking it seriously. And if he keeps playing like that, he'll he'll not be back out the team for another role. Yeah, I think with uh, between. Bigger man and, and Campbell, that's a pretty good midfield pairing that they've got in there. Motherwell, and if they can, if you know, if Campbell remains everything as well, then that's a um, that looks positive for them going forward. Also, looked positive from the point of view of Maine. Maine seemed to be a bit off key going into the start of the season, but he seemed to kind of relish that challenge against a bigger team again. He seems to have generally done that since he's he's been in Scottish football, and he was kind of back to causing defenders a lot of problems and look dangerous again and it looks like they might have a relationship between him and Johnson it's early days but it looks I like to look at Johnson it's the first time I've really properly seen him and he was lively throughout the game I was very surprised he went off actually it it turned out to probably be a good decision because Salmon um, made Rangers think a bit differently when he came on but I think there was I think there was probably four good striking performances from all four strikers that started Mm -hmm. the game but Johnson, I liked it. I just thought the composure with that goal. That yeah, it was very calm. Um, yeah, obviously, to hit it first time as well. I mean, you could think that you've got a lot of time and take well, that down. It, it, it was, it was a, it, the fact he actually glanced up. Could, well, 
Goldstein had slipped and McGregor looked like he'd lost his friend, which wouldn't happen on a plastic pitch, of course. <laughs> um, and he, he spotted that and he just, you know, rather than trying to belt it or go around the keeper, yeah. he just spotted that and just kicked this kind of straight into the net, basically. No, mm. um, and, and, he, and he did. And it, it was one of those classic goals where the player was running away celebrating long before it actually went in, which is something I love to see. He's not as bad, I'm not as much as Nadia Shifty celebrating before he'd actually kicked it against <laughs> Rangers in the semi final, which is a classic in the, the genre, but. Yeah, I thought Mean was back to his best. Johnson paired up well with him. Then, then you saw Salmon come off the bench and, and causing problems. Mm. And then Bowman, it was a, a bit of a cameo, but he did the same because he was aggressive and getting in people's faces. And then at the other end, you had both Lafferty and Morelos were a real handful. Yeah, yeah Johnson, I, I like the look of him as well. Looks like he gives him something different up front. And... Uh, he also has huge arms. It seems like you have to have huge biceps to be a motherwell forward these days. Um, yeah, but we'll move on from that game. We'll go to we'll just, have, just a bit on the substitutions. If um, sorry, I was, I was going to say about that earlier, that yeah, I'm still getting used to this, uh, the new, this new time, time constraint. Yeah, but it's fine. It's all right. I'm sure there's other games the, you can chop the time off. Well, rubbish. Um, <laughs> I, just the fact that. Two, two mistakes. I think it, it kind of reminded me of Lee McCulloch that day when um, when he was Kelly manager and we were all leading Aberdeen and he made two changes which basically chucked the game away. He brought on, okay, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name, the big centre half that came up, had a good spell, Miles Addison. Oh, and then he came on against yeah. Aberdeen oh, and sold the jerseys yeah. for two goals. Um, he, brought, he brought Middleton on um, for... Barisic, was it? He brought, uh, you, you've got it in front of you. Um, he brought Middleton on for a player who contributed a lot in the game, it was Barisic, mm. and Middleton, the game swallowed him up. It was it was maybe, you know, as a young player who's come on European games and kind of looked impressive, got a few touches, he basically didn't get a touch. And then after that, the fact he would bring Wallace on right when you're defending a mm. corner. I know he's a big player in his area who he replaced is, is smaller, but there's that kind of old adage of not disrupting your team at a set piece. And... He did that, and Wallace came on, and, and whether it, whether Hartley would have scored anyway, the fact that there were about six Marvel players queuing up unmarked at the yeah, back yeah, post yeah. probably wouldn't have mattered. But there was also the incident where uh, Hartley went down at a corner, not like not trying to suggest it was a foul or anything, and then McGregor clearly saw yes. an opportunity to uh, McGregor to land on him and hurt him a little bit. McGregor knows what he's doing in all those situations. Yeah. There was the one with um, Bowman. I mean, can you grudge? I'm not trying to paint him out to be a villain here, but you can't maybe really grudge him because he saw the opportunity yeah. and he's thought, after what yeah. you've said, I'm yeah. going to give you one. Nah, so it's, I think I'm not true. trying to, at the same time, I'm not trying to condone violence. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm it's sure fine. even Peter Hartley would think, yeah, yeah I probably deserve that. Yeah. McGregor's <laughs> Or I brought that on myself, at least. He's very good. He usually is a goalie that comes out with his foot raised like yeah. to make sure that no opponent comes anywhere near him. I will, that's, that's all for that game. I suppose we'll move on to... Another game that had uh, tons of controversy in it, and that's Hibs 1, Aberdeen 1. I mean, I don't even know if we're going to talk about any football in this game. Let's start with talking about Horgan. He looks like some player. Yeah, he's still good. Uh, we mentioned him last week, how um, he was really impressive last week. But uh, again, he started off especially well uh, the game at the weekend. Uh, and he faded a wee bit as it went into the second half, but he was still involved in the goal. He was picking the ball up sort of towards the penalty box and he was the one that slipped uh, Hanlon in to, to set up the goal. Yeah, having somebody like that is a real bonus for him. It's just having somebody that's really energetic and capable of working out wide or in towards the middle. Yeah, they seem to want to use him in the in the middle. Yeah. Well, certainly under the current setup, they have to because he doesn't look like a wing back. Yeah, yeah anyway, he's once split back three at the moment. Yeah, but it's good as well. I think last season there was a couple of times when Boyle wasn't available. And they lost that that because he I mean they had Barker at the time but he had the long term injury as well and when they didn't have that pace out wide they lost something so having him as an option centrally but also the fact that if Boyle drops out he can go and play there and, and you saw what he did. you saw a couple of runs he made kind of up the up the flank that suggested yeah. he's got one from the free kick yeah the quickly taken it free was, kick it, it was very reminiscent of when Barker did it um, against Rangers last season where he went like all the way up the wing essentially and yeah there's. It's a, a very good start he's made to his Hibs career because um, I think Lennon's done particularly well with recruitment and that's been probably what his success at Hibs has been built on more than anything and that that looks like another one that he's brought in that's doing going to do really well. Yeah, I, I mean it's a it's a it's a decent point for Hibs. Nothing I'd, for neither Hibs nor Aberdeen. It's a really a great point, but they can 
there's elements of uh, positives to take out of it for for both of them. I mean, as say Horgan looked pretty good. This, they, they were still playing with shot front, so there's you know they're missing Camberry and McLaren was only on the bench, so you're still uh, you know and in midfield they're still quite not got the balance right potentially. Uh, Portis was playing at centre half, so they've got people still getting used to systems. They've got people still to come back, and I I draw as an okay point and and. As I say, they had patches during the game where they were they were quite impressive, and I think when Aberdeen began to sit off them, um, it kind of helped and gave them a, a bit of a confidence boost to go and get the equaliser. Okay, I'm going to ask you to put your Masonic hat on now. Yeah. Um, should Hibs have had a penalty? Always oh, that with one with Constantine. Boyle, Coyle and Constantine. Nah, nah, Boyle and Constantine. <laughs> I don't I think that was a penalty. I think that it was a, there was a lean in, but there there wasn't enough for me to kind of make it make it a fool. It was kind of like. It's one of those, if the referee gives it, you'll go a bit soft, but you won't say it's wrong. Yeah. But just to say, I don't think it's wrong not to give that. I think there was an element of him leaning in, but it was it was a kind of physical confrontation with two players. Yeah, I think there was quite a lot then this weekend, where it was just ones that... Well, just two, in, kind of, two in the Hearts Kelly game, yeah, I think, they yeah. were both similar. I, I just really find them interesting. You know, I could see if the referee gives them, I could see it, but equally I don't feel, they don't feel particularly strongly about them in that it, Whereas the, the Ferguson one was just a, a blatant penalty, yeah, man. I don't think yeah. I need to ask anybody at this table whether it was or not. No. And I liked uh, Paul Hanlon afterwards kind of saying his, his excuse was I got a little touch on the ball. <laughs> and he didn't. But even if he had got a little touch on the ball, I think you can't still like skiff the ball no, and then yeah. clean a player yeah, out like that. It was the fact that he gave a goal kick. It the, the yeah, it was a bit bizarre. Yeah. Well, what did you think happened, Andrew? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you on first name terms with them, are you? Well, it appears so. <laughs> And then obviously there was the uh, the in air quotes headbutt from uh, Guy McKay Stephen, which in my opinion he just stood up to square up to him, and uh, and Porteous did exactly what Kyle Lafferty did all those years ago and got a lot a lot of stick for. Um, but I think went down like a sack of potatoes. I think you've just seen a totally different discussion had he actually been sent off if the red card had come out. Portis I suppose that maybe would have been the difference. Yeah, and it shouldn't be because you shouldn't. Can still him. see the shock on Mulgrew's face as today, <laughs> wondering whether he should go yeah. down as well. You shouldn't judge a player. You shouldn't judge a player's actions on what the referee does. It's like this. That's why I disagree with the um, the two match ban that players can get for diving. If you only get a yellow card for it in the game, why should you get a two-match ban if you get away with it compared to if you don't? It doesn't make sense to me. And it's the same argument. Just because the ref got it right in the sense of not thinking it was a red card, that doesn't mean that the discourse should be any different about what Portis did. He cheated. There was a dive. He threw himself down. I don't mind it. I think I find it, I find it quite funny. As a fan, I would quite... Enjoy one of my especially, players, especially from a player that um, we put a gif up recently of him absolutely cleaning <laughs> yeah. players out, and mm-hmm. that's like that's part of his game is being very physical and being. And he's a, he's a big laddie as yeah, well, yeah. And, and that's fine. And I think I think you're going to be a really good centre half, but it's you can't paint yourself as, as soon as you paint yourself as a hard man, you can't do that because you're just being made to look. It's a, it's a bit like um, Sergio Ramos. Nobody takes him that seriously as a hard man, even though you're really hard because he. As soon as anyone goes near him, he's just rather go down and kind of bottle out of the the confrontation. Yeah, I actually enjoyed the tackle in the first place. That was just such a brilliantly cynical tackle in the first place. He was obviously never getting the ball, but he just wanted to stop the attack then. Yeah, I've seen a few arguments in the past that those should be uh, red cards. I know you would argue... I thought thought that one was because I thought it was his studs went into the back of his leg. I think if you trip someone or you you take a a swing and and catch them, but it's, it's not... Dangerous. It could be a red card. You need to change the rules. But I think even under the current rules, I think that's a red card because his studs going to the back of his leg and it's nowhere near the ball. So I thought that was a red card. But well, I enjoyed the kick. So. <laughs> you can still enjoy it. You can still be a red card. I enjoyed Greg Taylor absolutely bodying out uh, Joey Barton. It was still a red card. Um, right. Let's move on to Rugby Park, where Hearts came away with a one 0 victory. You were at the game, Craig. How many points are Hearts going to win the league by? Well, Hearts were hugely impressive. I thought um, there's still there's still things that can be improved with them, but my word, compared to last season in the yeah. kind of attacking soft, areas, and, yeah, they just yeah. they were just they were a, a really kind of disunited team. It wasn't cohesive at all. You look at them; they're set up to. They've got a clear game plan. They know what they're doing. 
They've got good footballers in the team, but a lot of it's about winning set pieces, getting good deliveries into the box, getting players in about Uche, Hearing, who are both excellent in the air. Um, the centre half's also strong in the air. But everything's built around Uche, and the guy's ridiculous. Um, Kelly, Kel- he was genuinely occupying four Kelly players for much of the game, which was the two centre halves, Finlay and Broadfoot, but also Dicker and Power were basically having to leave the midfield to block him up from the front as well. So there, at some point, all four players were basically there to stop him. And had Hearts had another kind of competent attacking player on the park at the time, it was Morrison and Mulraney out wide, both of whom did very little in the game. And Naismith was playing too deep, so he couldn't get up in support. Had they had that, there was so much space for those guys to exploit. Whether they can kind of maintain this once people get wise to them, that's what I said before. But then you're like, as as we discussed on a previous show, how do you? Doesn't matter how wise you are to a player if he's that strong. You're talking about guys who are no shrinking violets, you know, broadfoot, mm-hmm. power, dicker. Mm-hmm. They're strong guys, and they? also, and these maybe aren't the, the best oppositions, and maybe not the best example. But um, a game against Inverness and the game against Hamilton, that was. Um, two different teams that played two different ways against them Inverness tried to stand off them and give them space yeah. and they tore them apart and uh, Hamilton did the opposite and they tried to get tight to him and he and like you say again uh, well, the well, Kelly players that were trying to get close to him he can just muscle he, he them off he pushed them off it. and you saw that little incident his touch was really nice because you saw that little incident the one when he set Naismith away or he was responsible for that move when Naismith went away and it was really intricate football on the counter from Hearts and um, had, had that goal, goal gone in from Naismith it would have been it would have been heartbreaking to see him score at Rugby Park apart from anything, but it would have um, <laughs> been one of the goals of the season in terms of the move. Yeah. Having said all that about Hearts, I think the game would have finished now now had um, had it not been for the red card. Kelly didn't play particularly well in the sense of doing very much, but I was actually very pleased with the team in terms of how they stood up to the kind of physicality of the game. Kelly are themselves not are no, no they're more than willing to stand to. to put in a fight when they need to but the set pieces hearts were, hearts were bigger than them all across the park but every set piece that came in they contested everything they fought for it protected McDonald's all the things you want your team to do and I, and I thought they did it very well and I do think yeah, the game would have kind of petered out to a 0-0 draw um, with, with 11 against 11 Yeah the problem with Kelly is it not still that it's just that lack of creativity yeah, there's, there's just nothing missing, there in the middle that's... There's, I mean players coming in as far as we know but well, because I think the stories are that Tish Ball is going to return from last season and make a difference. If we can get Greg Stewart in as another attacking option, it makes a difference. Because at the moment, he's just not found the right combination with, with Boyd, with uh, Brophy, with Njolly. Um, Jones is kind of getting marked out of games a lot more and he's not really getting the ball to him. It's just not flowing the way it did last year. They just miss that link uh, to create things and that's what's needed. And yeah, that that's kind of been the problem. It's not... Um, the organisation still there, the shape still there. They're just missing the kind of gold dust they had last year. For me, the the real positive about Hearts yeah, is just the fact that they know how to play, and they've Levine's finally got them to a point where they're playing the way he wants them to play, and everyone seems to know what their position is and what they're supposed to be doing within that shape. And I mean, you've seen it in this league from Motherwell last season for uh, Kelly, the second half of the season especially, a team that knows what they're wanting to do generally does pretty well you know if they've got fairly decent players able to execute it they'll do fine and I think that's what you're seeing from Hearts there's a few areas of weakness but I think one of the big things for Hearts is that if which is not there or if he's played poorly like he did against Unfermline that McLean or whoever else they bring in as a striker can step up and do the business and that's maybe where there's a bit of a question mark still at the moment as you say, Craig, that's an interesting element as well as to whether they can get anyone to take advantage of the fact well, that he McLean occupies so much of it. When he yeah. came on, he, he was picking up these little <clears> gaps. There <throat> was one that, one that you mentioned there. He made a difference when he came on to the onto Park in terms of just being able to. You know, it's a clever player who knew where to be, mm-hmm. and obviously watch Piazzo and see where the ball's going to come off him. Yeah, the other big positive is that they had a new signing in at centre half and it didn't seem yeah, to do anything at all. Yeah, that was a yeah. He looked, he looked a bit panicky when he was getting pressed, but the midfield and the attack are such for Hearts that they don't really let teams near the defence very much. And the, the the talk is that Hearts are looking for another experienced defender anyway. 
um, that he's not necessarily it's not necessarily going to be him and uh, Suter while Berra's out injured anyway. So yeah, but from the reports I heard, he seemed to uh, he seemed to have a decent game uh, considering what he was what what he had to do. But he'll probably come up against uh, he'll probably have more difficult afternoons uh, going forward. Anything else to add for this yeah, game? Well, just to send it off, I don't there's any everyone in agreement that it was a send. Uh, sorry that it wasn't a send off. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was interested for me was I was sitting on the um, an east stand, so that's kind of behind sorry, behind Morrison, as you know, the tackle was coming mm-hmm. from the opposite direction. And to us it didn't look like anything at all. But to um to Craig Fowler who was at the game. Yeah, Joel as well. Joel, so Joel, we had three different terrace yeah. perspectives because Joel was in the away. From the stand Joel was in the away and, and uh, Craig was in the um the West Stand behind it. And I think Craig kinda of thought it was a, a really bad one at the time and it was only when he kinda of saw it back he realised mm-hmm. it wasn't and he had the most similar angle to what Colum had. So from that point of view, you can see why you might have thought it was a red. His second leg, his, his, his other leg comes round, his trailing leg comes round, and I think that kind of adds to making it look worse than it was. And the fact that his, his, um, his leg bounces off the ball. Now he doesn't, um, Chris Sutton was saying he went over the ball, and technically that's true, yes, but he didn't challenge over the ball. He genuinely went for the ball and kind of, like I say, bounced on the top of it, and then his momentum carried them it through. And even even if he had to say, if he had caught Morrison's standing leg, I think they freeze framed it on BT, and again that made it look worse than it was. Because if he had actually caught him like that, then you could if you if he catches him straight on, it's yeah, red. you can say it's a red because even though he's not meant it, and he's maybe he's, he's ricocheted off the ball, and and it's and it's a bit unlucky on his part, it would still be a red card. But the fact that. He, yeah, the fact that he he hasn't really endangered Morrison at all there um, means that it's not it's not a red he, card. He, cli- he clipped him, and the problem for me is that the ref didn't didn't stop to think about it. Morrison, and his initial kind of reaction was he went down and, and rolled about, but he was back on his feet within seconds. He wasn't hurt in any way by it, and it was just a very harsh decision, which I did I do think, especially in the context of the game, it hadn't been a dirty game at all. I think the only there'd been a couple of yellow cards, but they were for kind of trips and things. And the only other one had been Ekpiazu who had, had flung a flung an arm into Finley's face, which to me I was happy not to be a red card because I don't think he really meant it. It was just kind of clumsy, but that was more dangerous than than what Dicker did in terms of actually potentially injuring someone. But it's that kind of situation of reading the game. The game didn't need a red card. There wasn't uh you know, it wasn't like it was brewing and, you know, it was always going to explode. It was kinda of going along I, I really actually a thoroughly enjoyable game for a one now. It was very hotly contested but never dirty. And so it it was a kind of disappointing um disappointing part of the game. Right, we'll move on to the next game um uh, uh Totally blanked on the stadium name. They're Paisley 20, oh, 21 yeah, Arenas. Yeah. Simple, simple, simple digital. I was going to say, it can't be the Paisley 20. It's a real problem trying to remember all the stadium yeah, names. No. That, that bid's dead now, the, the yeah, 2021. The simple digital arena. The simple digital arena for a simple manager. Samirinel Livingston 2. I mean, we talk about the un, the supposed unrest at Samirin after. Let's talk about Livingston. Uh, they got rid of Kenny Miller earlier in the week. Much publicised. Um, they were missing Lee Miller for this one also. Uh, they brought in Jack Hamilton, uh, the young Jack Hamilton, and he opened the score from. They also brought in Alan Lithgow, and they went back to the back three, which got them to the Premiership in the first place, and it seemed to do them serving pretty well. Yeah, back three and kind of more direct football, and I, I think it did. I think I was, I was talking about Hearts just beforehand about a team knowing how to play a certain way and being comfortable with it, and that's what Livingston were good at. That's how they had success. Miller came in and tried to change things, and you know it, it had some moderate success. In yeah, they, were, few yeah, they, terrible, they, they were okay in the Betfred Cup, yeah. and uh, they they did okay against Kilmarnock yeah. as well. But I think you can see, and, and the caveat is that St Mirren are a hopeless shit. case just now. <laughs> yeah, shit is the is the word. But the you know you, you can see positives again from the fact that they looked pretty comfortable. Um, they had a young guy Hamilton coming in, possibly the best Jack Hamilton in the league, probably. <laughs> uh, you know, coming in for his first game, getting on the score sheet, they, they were caused problems from set pieces all game. Um, Pittman was really good in the middle alongside Burn. 
So there was Lawless putting some really good set pieces. They're not going to be brilliant this season. Um, they've still got a lot of weaknesses in the in the squad, but I mean, we'll come on to some of The one thing they do have is a bit more of a core there from last season. They've not chucked the you know well, the whole squad out to try think, and rejig it. I think the advantage they've got is they they've got a system that they put three at the back. It's kind of six across the middle and one up yeah. front. Essentially, is what they play, and it worked really well. And the parts of some kind of all, all the players are almost dispensable in that. You know, you can just take somebody out and chuck somebody in and they know exactly what they're meant to do. And of course, some of the players are better than others at what they do. Um, some of the players are particularly important. I think Robinson and Pittman are really important to the system, but, and then the three centre halves likewise, but. And for set pieces, the three centre halves are set pieces. I think, huge. was it yeah, Lithgow and Halkett, I think, were the joint second top scorers for them last season or something along yeah. those lines and they really relied on their set piece yeah. goals last and, season and the three of them were involved in the first goal I think they were all had a either a header or a cross or something in it so. and Lithgow's just a monster in the opposition <laughs> but like you saw I can't remember who it was that was marking him but the guy was only interested in pulling his shirt and he doesn't he, 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 well, didn't, they, he didn't moan yeah. he didn't go down he just got it he just hung in there and headed that ball in the net anyway. And it was a very difficult header to execute, by the way. He was running away from goal, turned round, hung in the air and, and put it back uh, where it was coming from. I, I thought it was an excellent header. It's interesting that was his Premiership debut um, at the age of 30. I think a player who had not had his off-the-field issues when he was younger would probably have made it to this level at some other earlier point in his career. I think teams were put off by it. Um, Livingston, obviously, uh, previous offences are, a, are a, a bonus for them rather than putting, putting them off. So... Um, yeah, he's he's yeah. I think he'll, he'll go on to have a good season, and and it's that fact that they're organised and they know what they're doing that, that makes me think that they might they might well stay up. Yeah, they've also only got to be ahead of St Mirren and then win a playoff. At the, oh no, <laughs> at the yeah, I was going to say St Mirren yeah, and Dundee. Dundee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's Hamilton there as well. I mean, I think they they look. Um, there's probably some similarities to Hamilton there that they um, they're. They, they obviously don't have the finances of other teams, uh, but they can put together a system and get in real competitive players that uh, maybe not, maybe aren't technically the best, but are going to get them enough points so that they can compete. Whereas St Mirren, St Mirren looked to have tried to go the other way and tried to be a bit more of a football inside, which, I mean, there's no right way of doing it. There's no right or wrong way of doing it. That um, Teams have come up and played a bit of football and done it successfully in the past, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to see many of Stubbs' signings at the moment that you would think are going to go on and be successes. There are some good players in that team. You can maybe say Paul McGinn, one of um, one of uh, Stubbs' signings that could probably turn out to be pretty good. But the other the other players that are there that are that are decent at the moment seem to have already been there. And there's a few players. I mean, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to become familiar with a few of yeah, them. To be fair, that kind of revolving door as well. And there's a few that haven't had many minutes. Well, the boy that they signed in signed in July and out alone in August, like back down to England. Mm. Who was that? Jim Kellerman. All oh, right. Okay. That's uh, a very very Kilmarnock esque, Kilmarnock Lee Clark esque. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Their their signings have been terrible. The we started really poorly against Aberdeen the other week and Stubbs dug them out for the fact that they were just flat and didn't have any fight. Didn't look like they had any fight this week either. I mean, you're looking for a reaction. You're at home, uh, one of your relegation rivals, realistically, and nothing happened. There was a, there was a incident in the second half. I don't I, I didn't actually couldn't see who it was, but the ball had kind of come down the right-hand side. Levinson were attacking. It was sort of on the touchline. And I think it was against, Lawless was against one of the, um, St. Mirren defenders. And the ease with which they went past him, the defender should have been able to shepherd the ball out for a goal kick or kick it away for a throw and didn't either. He just kind of fell, crumpled in a heap under absolutely no pressure at all and Limson went and attack. And that kind of seems to be the mentality. Just now, They'd, the other problem is the players are crap. Well, but they're not. In <laughs> fact, there's been several stories from, from their supporters about, Unrest as well yeah, in terms yeah. of what's McGinn's, going on. Apparently, McGinn's, McGinn's fallen out with the. Well, this is all rumour, but yeah, he's supposed to have fallen out with the McGinn's or at least had words with the McGinn's. There's something going on with Cammy Smith. I've heard a few different things there. One being a fallout, another one being that um, he wants Kenny Miller and therefore wants Cammy Smith off, the, he, off the budget. He, wanted, he basically said he wants to play a 4 4 2 and he doesn't yeah. see a, a place for Smith. Yeah. And, that, and it's like. Who started well? Yeah, he had a good start to the season. He was one of the possibly the yeah. best player last year. And. 
like I think it said that all as far as I could see that when Smith came on as a sub, Stephen McGinn made a particular effort to like give him a high five onto the part. And then McGinn after the game was basically saying that criticising the transfer policy and there was an interview in the Herald, I think, that he talked about um them having brought in too many players that hadn't played much football in their career was the was the quote that he made. Which all suggests that there's a lot going on there. They gave Stubbs a three-year deal, so are they going to be in a position to get rid of him? Is this really going to be just going to rattle on through the season with them, you know, having to having to essentially maybe bring in a whole new squad of players in January because he's fallen out with all the ones he's already got? It's it seemed like an odd decision to appoint him in the first place because I think he. The Scottish Cup masked the job he did at Hibs, which was on the whole quite poor. Mm-hmm. His recruitment at Hibs wasn't great. He brought in some good players. I mean, I think he was the one that brought in John McGinn, I think, which in itself has probably made them a lot of money and been a very good addition. But beyond that, there were some really bad players that he brought in. And you look at the quality of the players that he had in that Hibs team in the second tier. He had McGinn. He had at times Liam Henderson. Um, he had uh, David Gray. Stokes was there for a part of it and yet he couldn't get that team even to challenge for the title mm. and it, it took Lennon to come in and do that Yeah, I, I mean if you look at the players that he's brought in we talked previously about Coulson the fact that he's a left winger playing at left back and looks at um, Capecqua I think was atrocious at the weekend and it's not looked very good generally I mean Capecqua came off for Baird uh, after 50 minutes he'd had a book and I don't know actually if it was any niggling knock or anything but just probably that he wasn't playing very well, but he's not been good. Willick's not been impressive. Brock Madsen's apparently been pretty consistently awful. I think Joel said he didn't touch the ball in the first half. Yeah, yeah. That's always what you want from your <laughs> which, might not, which might not be his fault. No, actually, it might but, not be. No. Nah, but it's, it's something fundamentally no wrong. As a striker, you come looking for the ball. I can't. I, I, it strikes me as a guy who's come up and loan thinks he's too good for him. Can't be bothered. Mm-hmm. And that's always your problem when you sign a lot of lone players that have got no no connection to the league, no affinity to the league. Yeah. If it goes wrong, don't care. I've got my contract at Birmingham, I'll go back there. Right, well, we'll move on on that depressing note. <laughs> we'll move on to the next game. We'll go to McDermott Park, where St Johnston... Vibrant St Johnston. Yeah. Vibrant, sexy St Johnston, as uh, Graham predicted. Uh, even Liam Craig was... Um, talking about that in the build-up to this game that it's a it's a very kind of new look St Johnston in the time that he's been there because they actually have wingers now I mean it wasn't <laughs> verbatim what he said but it was pretty much what he said because he was saying that he used to have to he used to get shunted out uh, as with mm. other central midfielders Wotherspoon. Blair Alston Witherspoon oh Witherspoon started as a wide player I think yeah. um, Chris Miller he mentioned which I don't even remember Chris Miller playing wide for, for um, St Johnston he used something to play like right when they played like a really solid 4-4-2 right okay Right, 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 a striker who's finished. He's he's one of the best natural finishers in the league. I don't think there's any doubt about that. There's Tom uh, Tony Watt has shown over the years that he's got a lot of talent. It's just never worked out for him at many many clubs. But he's off to a really good start. The problem here. he's had he's had lots of starts like this at clubs. I think he started well at Hearts. Didn't he didn't but, score the goals? But well, he's. he's I think I think it maybe has been a different. It's funny because you get all these stories about him, but every time you see him, he seems like quite a nice guy and quite. Um, like, it doesn't seem like a hothead or a bad boy or anything, but it does seem to constantly fall out with people. Um, it seems like he may be screwed in that, but you never really know. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how it goes. But if he can keep playing the way he is, he'll, he'll probably be talked about for Scotland call-ups before the end of the season, would be my guess. Yeah, he is one of those guys that kind of everyone's wanting him to do well. You know, he's, he's got the potential. He showed that Hearts as a technically a very good footballer. Mm-hmm. He's become... Didn't really match up with the finishing at Hearts, but he seems to have done it here. That's a, that's a sixth goal that he scored since he's come in. Which it's is a very good finish yeah, as well. Yeah, it was, because he had a lot of time to think about mm-hmm. it. Um, and I, I know, I like that St Johnson, and I said this last week, so I'm kind of maybe repeating myself, but the fact that Rex identified what he wants to do, he's brought in three people up front who can all execute and work together. Uh, there's chat about potentially Swanson either maybe for St Johnson or Dundee, but certainly having another attacking as well. Yeah, well, I think there's maybe chat of potentially bringing in somebody else just to kind of bolster them from a kind of number ten position. That would that would be the kind of 
the missing piece yeah. of that really if they're going to progress and have a really strong season you'd think but yeah it's really positive and um, Wright might be the, might be the person that can keep him uh, on the straight and narrow and it, it is early days still but I think there's uh, less pressure that's in yeah. Johnson and there's just less going on because it's like you know you, you go to hearts and like people have got a lot of expectation mm-hmm. in a big city there's lots going on he's, if he's in Perth it's probably quite quiet he's no I think he spends most of the time uh, playing games with one of the guys in my work actually so that's fine that's the interesting thing for me with them before, before we move on to um, the Neil McCann's failing Dundee <laughs> is that um, they brought in McMillan for this game You're, they've went with the front three with what being the main striker and writing Kennedy off them but I see when it's a game that he thinks he can win at home, it's a more attacking lineup. He can actually just lump a striker in in front mm-hmm. of that, and he's got that option though. To McMillan will probably be in and out of the team to be more solid. They can put an extra midfielder in instead, and I think that gives him a lot of flexibility. The players that he has now. Do you think uh, Tony Watt? I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Right, Tommy Wright has shown over the years that he's very good at picking up maybe unfashionable yeah. players mm-hmm. from other clubs. And making them very good players for St Johnston, um, but Tony Watt didn't. I mean, I still have faith in his ability to make him into a good player or or get the best out of him because he's clearly a good player. But he doesn't strike you immediately as a Tommy Wright type well, player or signing, does he? But in saying that, Tommy Wright always has a sort of talisman in his team, yeah, whether it was Swanson or O'Halloran or Lee Stevie Croft. May or something like that. Go yeah. back to Lee Croft, he's the first one like that who came in, and I think he, there's similarities with all of those guys in that. And then he always loses them at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. there's not, it's not about the attitudes in the team, but all of them had that kind of thing where people knew they had ability, but they weren't getting it out of them at other clubs and each of those players he's he's made something out of and I think that is really one of his strengths I think I mean you can talk about his kind of personality and it being a bit been, been a bit strange at times but in terms of a manager he's one of the best kind of over the last mm-hmm. decade in terms of this being in Scottish football he's, he's done a fantastic job and continues to and it's just you kind of feel like it's like one of these ongoing things of he almost feels like he wants to leave in the club want him to leave but yeah. neither of them want to make the decision but while he's still here he's kind of continuing to do the yeah I mean I don't know I think that's maybe changed a bit more recently because it felt like it had gone a bit um, stale and uh, it feels like there's a definite there's a re- he, both he and the team have been rejuvenated a bit this season and while I wouldn't be tipping them for a cup or I wouldn't definitely say they'd be in the top six or anything they're definitely like they're going to be entertaining and they're going to be in with a shout at getting into the top six uh, and the complete contrast to that is a, a man that's going to be is is years away and very many performances away from getting that kind of praise as Neil McCann. It just seems to go from bad to worse for him at the moment. Another manager whose um, signing policy you could you could severely question. Um, he doesn't seem to. I mean, it's, it's a good time that he's been at that club now, and he's still. It doesn't have anything resembling a goal scorer. It's very early for a. I mean, it looks like Kalman, but is it Shalman? Remember there was. Yeah, remember there was Shell Olivesen. Right, yeah. Um. So I don't know. We've not quite had the pronunciation on that. But yeah, the new striker that they've got, he had one chance that he wasn't too far away when mm-hmm. he may be able to get a couple of goals for them. But in terms of the guys that they've already got up front, uh, White and yeah, his early. Promise early Dundee career promise is just completely evaporated. Mendy doesn't look like he's going to score a goal, and Musa Musa just continues to be Musa. Mm-hmm. Although he was a wee bit calmer in this game. Yeah, they're just it's not good. Like they look through, I was looking through that team again, and I'm saying they brought Colker in as if he was going to be the saviour of all the problems. But he's not actually been good since he came in. No, the, no, you know this narrative yeah. of teams wanting to spend a million quid on him. Like, was why did they give the ball away for the? I know Meekins was uh, very uh, poorly positioned uh, the kind of ball went to Mendy and he miscontrolled it and then it went right. in a couple of phases after that But the, yeah. the problem he has is he, he narrowly kept him up last season but their budget is not comparable with Hamilton, Livingston, mm. St Mirren the teams you expect to be scrapping at the bottom Dundee's budget will be bigger than St Johnston's I would suspect I would suspect it will be on a par with the likes of Kelly Motherwell um, kind of in that kind of middle tier and he, he the team doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. We've talked. We've talked a few times, Andy, here about guys, teams that know mm-hmm. what they're about, and you think Kelly will know what they're about, Hearts know what they're about, Livingston know what they're about, 
Hamilton to some extent know what they're about. St. Johnston know what they're about. There's two teams in the league at the moment who you watch and you're like, well, three from Celtic, but two teams in the league <laughs> you watch and you're like, you have no idea how you want to play it, and that's St. Mirren and Dundee. And that's the reason that at the moment that I kind of fear for both of those teams. If you were to ask me right now, that would be my bottom two. They, I think they started quite well at the first sort of half hour at the weekend, but their problems creating chances and then putting them away is they come in at the one chance. But, you know, if you're not going to be scoring, if you've got no confidence in your strikers to score goals, as soon as one goes in, you know, ment- mentally you think that's probably us, you know, yeah. we're done. And that's kind of where they are at the moment. They've got no one that they think can dig them out of a hole. You know, St. Johnson have got what, all the other, a lot of the other teams in that area, apart from maybe Hamilton and St. Mirren, have got somebody who they think can maybe make a difference and help them out. There's just no confidence in those guys at all and they don't really create enough chances. You know, they, there's a problem with the striker, but they also kind of happy passing the ball along the kind of edge of the box, which is the thing about the weekend, but there's not enough incision. Like. It's easy to get praised for doing it, but it's easy yeah. to do it. The other team's going to be like, well, they're passionate. I don't care, we'll let them do it, especially especially when, you know, like St. Johnson, they know that when they get the ball, they're dangerous, so mm. they're not going to knackle themselves chasing Dundee defenders passing to each other it's mm. like they're just not there's not a kind of cohesion of that team at all yeah. and then they make mistakes at the back like Meekins again I mean he was dawdling yeah. that goal he was just yeah, he was sleeping no yeah, yeah he was sleeping there there was more than one instance I think, uh, Craig, I think it was Craig put up um, two gifts of them in terms of their offside track from the weekend there's no shape to that team and that's something from McCann he's never never struck me as a guy who's a great organiser it's not the type of player he was and he his teams have never been particularly well drilled, and you continue to see that. Yeah, there's just there's just something not right there, and I don't. I think he needs to get a result soon, or the the fans will turn on him, and, and he'll probably be gone. Right, one game to go, um, and it was Celtic one, Hamilton nil. The other game from yesterday, and you couldn't make it up, guys. <laughs> um, this one was especially funny, given that the Green Brigade unfurled a banner saying that uh, Boyata wasn't fit to wear the jersey and uh, he dug them out of a hole. But to be fair, I, I agree with him on this in this instance. I don't think or I, I don't I, no, I agree with him, but this narrative of because he scored a, a goal against Hamilton that he's somehow forgiven, like the guy the guy cost it didn't cost them, they may have lost anyway, but the guy kinda of screwed up their chances in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. It's huge for Celtic, huge for their supporters and huge for the club as a whole. And now um, there's a few players that probably want to leave because they haven't made the exactly, Champions League, or at least um, it's they're, they're, sped up the, their decision. Yeah, players like and, Cham and uh, Dembele. Dembele yeah. doesn't look like he wants to be there. I, I thought he was uh, disgraceful on... I'm turning Chris Sutton here, but on Thursday <laughs> night against Sudufa, he had no interest in that game at all. Every time he got the ball, it was just still turn and shoot. And it was the same, there was that chance at the end. He just wanted to get scored. He missed about eight or nine yeah, chances eight, against Hamilton. Eight, he got man of the match as well, which was just so that Boyata wasn't given man of the match. Yeah, I think it, it was like. that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but so to that extent, I think to say, oh, oh he's proved the Green Brigade drug. He hasn't. They were, they were for once were spot on in that assessment that I would be raging if one of our players did that. And the fact that he scored a winner in a game that you would expect to win anyway wouldn't kind of make me think, oh, he's actually all right. It just So you think he was lying about being injured? Yeah. Then? Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, I think so. But it, emphatic. <laughs> oh, but there is a way back from if oh, the You know, yeah, that's the thing, that's the, the, the way it goes. Like if nobody comes in for him or nobody signs him, then he's gonna play because he's on paper their best centre half. And he's certainly the most experienced centre half that's not gonna chuck one in every week at the moment because Semenovich can't be I mean, I know he's still pretty young, but he can't really be trusted to um to kind of lead the other guys through at the back at the moment. So all the centre halves they're they're linked with at the moment all seem to be in that age yeah, bracket. Yeah, all yeah, seem to be yeah, twenty, yeah, twenty yeah, one. Yeah. But, it, it's, it's, but it's always the kind of and the constant problem with trying to buy people at that price bracket is that they're all younger guys or guys who are pretty much coming to the end of their careers like Compa. I mean, if you're nobody who's kind of in their mid twenties is gonna. You know, you're going to get him for that kind of price at Celtic. I'm looking yeah, at unless he's to get a char, and then he's gone yeah, to yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. They just can't compete yeah. with that kind yeah. of thing. I think I could beat the wages. So that's that's the problem. And, and as much as 
buy it as I mean it seems bonkers that somebody would pay eight million and a good European club would pay eight million for him because he's he was shown enough over the course of the time he's been at Celtic that he's liable for a, a ricket himself. But he is their best centre half alongside probably Ayer. He's the best two centre halves at the moment they've got. And if you know he stays, he's going to play and he can play himself. You know Celtic can still have a decent European run potentially. They've got. A, it doesn't look like it at the moment. They've got a lot of work to do, and I, you'd argue they need to bring in some fresh faces. There's a chance to go deeper than the Champions League as well. It doesn't yeah, bring yeah. the same money yeah. or the, the, the bigger, the big ties like yeah. the Champions League. Yeah. But, but I mean, there's big teams in there. I mean, Arsenal yeah. and Chelsea are yeah. in there. There's yeah. big, big Spanish teams yeah. that I can't, work, I can't remember who, but they're, they're probably severe. Yeah. 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 Or they will be there at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, that, that's, the, that's the thing that happens with him. If he, he stays, they've still got a lot of things to work for this season, and it would be a benefit for them if. if all they can replace Bayata with is some 22-year-old guy who's not really played that much and certainly hasn't played in Scottish football or British football before then. It's maybe worth keeping him. Like, I don't know. But it's all down his attitude I, I as well. Think, if he's going to be a dead loss... Then, I think he probably will go. I think yeah. there's enough teams interested that they will kind of sell him. And I think playing him yesterday was about just saying, OK, he's fit. He, mm-hmm. Reminding people that he's still there. Yeah, come by him. Um, but as you say, if they don't sell him, they will play. But I think they probably they will just kind of get rid of him. Beyond but, that, for Celtic, it was, it was just one of those games. They just needed to win. It didn't matter how they won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that... And I funny think that had they not scored that goal, Hearts after three games would have been four points clear. At the yeah, only Hearts and Celtic have won more than one game mm-hmm. so far. Uh, yeah. I think it says, yeah... It says, I think the, the league is quite even in a lot of places and teams are still getting up to speed. Just uh, just before we go, actually, just a word on Hamilton. Ah, quick, I think come the, on, us on Hamilton, I was going to say, because we've gone over a bit. Yeah. I don't care, we'll be right. <laughs> I'm sure we'll survive. <laughs> the, um, they were pretty well organised. Uh, they had the chance in the first few seconds uh, and that was that was pretty much it. But Cannon has them pretty well organised at the moment. They're looking okay. Um, they don't look like they're going to concede much. Uh, McMahon, Bond and Gordon were kind of decent as a three at the back even though two of them aren't really centre halves so I mean when Hamilton go away to Celtic you think a 1-0 defeat's pretty decent as far as it goes and they can they can take some positives out of that start of the season the they've had new boy Kim Pembe was playing in the midfield mm-hmm. so they signed on as usual signed the day before the game <laughs> straight out of the team coming out, coming out of like loads of non-league clubs in England I think Looked like he was all right, so he'll be one. Can he mentioned them after the game? He'll play so three games well. and then be released again and pop up, and then he'll sign again for Hamilton, and then he'll leave. And oh yeah, there's just some breaking news. Sorry, all right. Paul Hartley's left. Oh, that's a good, a nice good segue. Yeah, yeah, so we're going to go and do winners and losers. We're going to do it anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, but uh, I believe Falkirk were probably going to be on that list. Yeah, well, I'm going <laughs> to actually put Paul Hartley specifically <laughs> on that list. So, yeah. so we'll go do that now. You guys know everywhere to get us Facebook, Twitter, Terrace Podcast at gmail.com, and we're going to go do. Uh, Patreon now, which you can sign up for if you haven't already, and that's Terrace Podcast. No, it's not. It's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast, and we'll see you there. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.